0: You're listening to the footnotes podcast, the weekly sermon companion from the teaching team at real life. This is a chance to dig a little deeper, chase a few rabbit trails and touch on some topics that the team may have not been able to fit into their Sunday sermons. We hope this provides a glimpse behind the scenes at the discussion that helps form each week's message. Welcome footnotes. I'm Paul. We are joined with Aaron couch. Hello. Marty Solomon. Shalom. And then uh Talmudied Jacob Croyle. Shalom. And that's it for this week. Derek had to step out, so it's just us. We had this lovely discussion on Romans 14, and uh, Romans 14 is one of those passages that gives us a really good framework to work with, to have a discussion around. But at the same time, it just there's all these grays and questions that, what about this and what about that? And so one of the things, Aaron, you referred to in the sermon was how we like... Like we want to apply this to the extremes, but then we miss the middle. Um, you want to elaborate more on that?
1: Yeah, I I feel like the implications for this sermon are big and true and vast and hard to figure out how to ratchet down into our specific world a lot, and that that's okay. This this is a conversation that is going to be massive, and so there's a thousand and one ways that it gets applied. Each differently for each individual couple or family or home, and and yet we all have to wrestle with it because at the core of where do we stand on our convictions and where do we not, and how do we treat people in the process? Like this is foundational for who we are as Christians, and and so this conversation is very real. What we have to be sure of is when we're having the conversation that we're not leveraging the extremes to mitigate the middles. That's kind of the the statement that I've been kicking around. Um, i love the marty kept saying this in sermon club and it's really true what we are talking about here is not just excusing evil from the world what we're talking about here is a group of people who are genuinely with all of their being trying to follow the lord and trying to figure out how to do that and do it well and landing all over the map on that and i and i feel like that, that range like we can't get lost in the well what about this blatant sin you know am, am I just supposed to be okay when somebody tries to attack my daughter or what are you saying that drunkenness is fine with everything we should, the whole conversation about alcohol and drinking which is a major play in our world right now it was in, in the passage in their time as well um, isn't about drunkenness it's not about drunkenness we always want to take it there uh, we want to take it to the extreme. We, um, conversations about relationships and, you know, I have three, well, two teenagers and a 20-year-old now that are living in their own world and they're making decisions that I'm like, gosh, I don't know. Um, those, are, those are things that I think, you know, we've got to wrestle with that in our own family. unit. You know, like how does Romans 14 apply in those conversations? We're not talking about blatant sin. We're not talking about extremes. What we're talking about is the day in and day out decision of, I see someone walking down the street and I disagree with what they have on. You know, that person has a microbrewery t-shirt on. What do I say? Uh, you know, the thousand and one little ways that we either uphold the, the value of the human being um, or we don't. And that that's really the, the guts of the conversation here that that helps us in our day-to-day life.
2: Yeah, and if I were to put, like, for me, and maybe it's the way, like, our different minds work, I've always loved Romans 14 because I felt like it's not high in the sky, it's like so practical, probably because of the way that my brain works, or the way I see the world, or the way I want to talk about the world, but I've always loved it because it gave me such really clear handles, so, and I liked, when you were talking about extremes, you used that example of of, uh, of alcohol, and I think it's just such a great example to use, and I. I actually got even more clear when you said that just now than even our conversation earlier today. I come from a family that was, um, we we were a a family of teetotalers. I have friends that are teetotalers. People just won't touch alcohol because they just see it as incongruent with their walk with Jesus. Um, So I'm used to that worldview. I know that that worldview comes from uh, my mom, my family, who was passionate about following Jesus. Like they were following Jesus to the best of their ability. Um, And obviously there are people within the church that would agree with that. And then there are people in the church also following Jesus to the best of their ability that see freedom in that. Uh, And this Romans 14 discussion is so good because it helped me. I, I grew up in a Christianity that told me I had to figure out what was right and then we were going to fight about who was most right and whoever was most right at the day wins uh, at the end of the day and uh and this passage says no when you have people trying to follow jesus and they're doing their best and they're deciding that the best way according to their conscience is to not touch this thing you respect that walk and you don't do something that would cause them to stumble in that walk to force them to be in a in a situation that makes them question their conscience. On the flip side, my mom and, and many of those same friends today respect the position that I live in. And what you are saying is you can't then jump to the extreme and then devalidate the entire conversation that we just had. You can't go, Well, are you saying then drunkenness was no, we were talking about this disputable matter. Of whether or not it's, and for some people it's like I can't believe that's a disputable matter, and for some people it is, and that's the point. Because we're following Jesus, our conscience is telling us different things in different contexts and different scenarios. And if we're trying to follow Jesus with all our heart, all our soul, and all our might, um, this is something we need to we need to facilitate in the lives of others, not get in the way of because we think we're more right than them.
1: Yeah. Which is a really good point. I I I hope that we can um, give people in the course of this sermon the permission to not have to change their point of view. Hmm. That's the key piece for me. Like. Uh, This isn't about changing your point of view or just letting go of what you hold dear or what you believe is you representing your God or putting your God on display well and not wrestling with the question of, well, how can you do that and put God on display well? Well, that that is the conversation around this. But at the same time, to give people permission to think, feel, believe differently and to watch God be big enough to use both sides of that conversation uh, for his glory. And that that to me seems to be like when you look at the early church, you have, and this, especially this Roman church, where you have such diverse people coming from all walks of life. And, and so many of them are the conservative, traditional, been going to church ever since I was a little kid. Many of them are like, I'm brand new on the block. I didn't know you weren't allowed to wear a hat and worship. Oh, wait a minute were you allowed to wear a hat? Like this is one of the conversations in our world. Uh, Should should a person wear a hat during a worship service? Uh, I remember my first internship when I was in Bible college, I wore a hat into interview with the elders. And the first thing that the elders said to me, and I didn't even know this was an issue, but the first thing that the elders said to me, one of the elders said to me is, Son, I was raised in the military, and when you walk into a building, you should take your hat off. Now, here's the thing: I don't mind taking my hat off, other than the fact that I look my hair's messed up. Uh, but, like, is that even necessary? Is it even a necessary thing? Do on the one hand, should I learn to respect the different views of other people? Absolutely. But on the other hand, should he think so highly of his point of view? That he loses sight of the human being that he's talking to, and that's that's the tension we're wrestling with. And I still, I mean, that was 24, 25 years ago, and I I still hang on to that as a defining moment in my life. Um, not for the positive, not for the positive. Yeah.
0: I I I think I'm multiple. I have a lot of things I'm thinking about, but kind of going back to what we we're discussing earlier, like we like we need both sides of the conversation to be in community together. Like too often, what happens is we divide over these disputable matters, and so then we create parties and sides. Where now, um, now we are all rallied behind our one flag of this is wrong, or we're rallied behind our one flag of this is right, rather than us being together. Um, I keep going back to the relationship I have with my wife because I'm the, I want to push boundaries and conventions, and you know, unless there's a blatant command in scripture that states something is wrong, I think there might be some freedom there. And my wife is a little bit more traditional in black and white. And for me, she acts as an anchor. Like she's my point of reference, where I can look back and say, maybe I've gone too far, or maybe I need to slow down a little bit. Maybe I should really consider, maybe this is a big deal. Maybe there is something uh, to this position that I have to wonder about. And when we isolate from each other because we have disagreements about these topics, we actually end up losing uh, two valuable voices. Kind of going back to your analogy, it is a hat, wearing a hat to a church a big deal? I would say no, but other people would say, well, it's a sign of respect. We want to make it a sin or not sin issue, but it's not that. It's a cultural thing, and I think this is why this conversation can help us with things like missions and cross-cultural engagement with people. Like, how can we better have conversations with people, understand what their reference is, and then we, as Paul says in Corinthians that you were referring to, to all
2: men we become all things. Yeah, this helped me become a a way better pastor, this chapter of scripture for me. Uh, I I feel like I came out of Bible college with this self-imposed impression, it wasn't their fault. I came out with this idea that my job as a pastor was to teach everybody the right way. And luckily, this chapter of scripture really helped transform that mindset for me early in my ministry, because what I saw instead was a different question. Not what is the right or wrong answer, but how do I facilitate this person's walk with Jesus? Because we're all trying... If they're asking me the question, they're obviously trying to follow God to the best of their ability. Which for every person... I mean, I sit in this... uh, When I preach on a Sunday morning, I sit in the lobby, and I talk to... I don't know how many people we talk to on a Sunday morning. A hundred people that go in and out. Uh, Maybe 20 of them in like pretty... Serious, at least two or three minute conversations about questions, and like we have these conversations, and every person's coming from radically different positions, and yet my job is to help them and their conscience and how they understand who they are and how they're walking with God, continue that, down that path further towards Jesus. The last few weeks when we've been preaching, um, I've had a, I've had a handful of vets come and talk to me about different things, talking about love and submitting to the authorities and. And those kind of things in the nation of Israel, and there's been all these, and, and you you watch these these vets from different periods of history, uh, struggling with decisions that they might have made decades ago. And one of the things that we've chatted about often in these conversations is, uh, you were doing the best that you could in your walk with Jesus mm-hmm. at that point in your life. You've grown, but at that point in your life, you can't go back. You have to realize that you were doing the best job you could according to your conscience. And according to what Paul says in Romans 14, had they done anything different, they would have been in sin. And so instead of figuring out what's right or wrong about what they did or they didn't do or this or that, were you following Jesus to the best of your ability with the pieces that you had in these disputable matters? Mm -hmm then then i think at some place god meets you there and he he calls you forward and he understands you're doing the best work you could that's how i read romans 14
1: um, because it's not about the action itself being right, right or wrong correct and that's the the debate it, you got to get away from the from that and wrestle with it where is my heart at in it because you can do the right thing with the wrong heart and it becomes the wrong thing um you know that's the Inquisition or you know all these different but the with the Salem witch trials all throughout history we start to see the church trying to do the right thing but they're doing it completely the wrong way and it just really blows up That that's the key right. is that I value you we'll figure out whether or not this action is something either one of us should be a part of but you matter mm-hmm. I have this handful of people that I'm counseling with that just I don't know why the Lord puts them in my life but he does and it's always interesting to me how ashamed they are every week when they come in to try to tell me about how they've blown it. And um, I I find it fascinating to watch as God gets a hold of their heart. Like, I'm not counseling them. All I do is simply reaffirm that God believes in them, that God sees them as good, as full of potential, that the promises of God for them are true, that they are more than they believe that they are, that they're not what sin says they are. Like these simple realities of just yeah, well, the action was probably not wise, but this conversation isn't about the action. Like, the Christian life isn't about the action, it's about the person. Focus on those things the relationship, the community, developing one another, believing in one another's potential. The actions have a tendency to take care of themselves. Mm-hmm.
2: And it's not to say in these conversations that there's not black, there, there's not things that are black and white, that everything is wishy washy. But I think there's a lot, I think sometimes we think the disputable matters are. Like this really, really rare exception. And I think that anybody that's really walked with Jesus in real life, not the church, real life, real life, um, for any period of time uh, knows how, how disputable our walks can seem from day to day to day. I know the black and white principle. I don't know how I should apply it here perfectly. And, and so we live in community. We we have other voices speaking to us, and we do the best job that we can. Which
0: kind of comes back around like truth does matter on some sense. Like it, it gives us the black and whites, those things to hold on to, yes. which allows us to live in the tension of the grace Yes. Um. It, it's not that we're fighting to prove people wrong. Rather, the truth. One of the, the main parts of our truth statement is the value of love. And we were talking before we recorded this about how love and truth are always pairs. That truth uh, should always lead to love, and love, love will always lead to truth. Right. That if you lie, you you are um, if you lie, you are invalidating truth, and if you don't love, you are invalidating truth, right. or something like that, or whatever. Anyway, like it, it is important. Uh, yeah.
1: Well, I, th- I think uh, it doesn't matter if you're right. You said this earlier, Marty, in sermon club. It doesn't matter if you're right if you sacrifice the relationship. Yeah, because right. that's wrong. Because that's wrong. So to be right in the wrong way is wrong. And I think that's the, like, we wrestle in our culture with a lot of things. There there are numerous examples, and this one's probably going to get dicey, but, um, like, with the influx of gay marriage, like, should a Christian attend that wedding Uh, what do we do with that do we stand in solidarity of I support you or do we stand on the no I believe that this is wrong therefore I will not show up at all ever because that's me supporting it like where do we land on that and there's such a big conversation and I think the undergirding principle that Paul's trying to promote here is it's not about the right and the wrong of it it's about valuing what God values which is the heart of a person.
0: Well, and that opens up the doors for better discussion.
1: Yeah, you're not gaining momentum in the relationship by saying, screw you, I'm not coming to show up.
0: Yeah. Um, probably an even more practical one that hits home is, like, how do we... If you're of a position that homosexuality is wrong, how do you engage with those Christian believers who disagree with you, that think it's okay? Right, Like, we we so quickly want to cut ties with that. And not we as a specifically real life, but church in America, like, that is a dividing line for us. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, and I think about, like, the topic of abortion. Christians want to be very dogmatic about the topic, which I get because we want to value life. Mm -hmm. And yet, at the same time, when we take such a hardline stance on that topic, we don't give... Women who've had one permission to vocalize it and we just keep them stuck in their shame because we're trying to be right on a topic convince the world that we're right on a topic and we miss that there are Mm -hmm. people who are radically affected by this conversation Mm -hmm. and that like that's something that's bit me in the butt in the past is trying to be strong on a position and yet missing that oh we have people here who've struggled with that in the past Mm -hmm. and I just totally told them that they didn't have a voice to talk it through Mm -hmm. Um, that to me is so I mean it breaks my heart that I would ever do that but that does happen in the church
0: mm-hmm. you know practically speaking like it, you look through the ages the past a few decades uh, of the church's role and how it's engaged culture have we done a good job like are we winning the battle and I would say no I think practically speaking it's time for us to reevaluate our game which is what we're talking about here Like, are we going to engage through politics and arguments and trying to change the public agenda? Or instead, are we going to actually try maybe do something different, like loving one another, Mm -hmm. uh, even when it's hard and even when we're not entirely sure what that means?
1: Yeah, I absolutely believe that the church in America has, up until this point, had a uh, cultural swagger that has allowed them to be the truth bully. And we have bullied our way into influence, not necessarily walked in a way that glorified God. And so we've carried a place in culture simply because we've had enough cultural influence to force our way into that. That time is ending, and and it's panicked a lot of church leaders, like, oh, my word, this is all going to go away. And I, I think what it does, what I can tell you definitively, regardless of what you believe... Being able to engage in relationship well is the single factor that will force you to grow in your own personal holiness. Mm-hmm. Because there's no games in that. Like you can believe whatever you want to about your systematic theology or what you believe about God or whatever. But it's the walking out in community well. That is what forces us to actually deal with the junk in our heart. The, the belief system does not it's the the community that loves me enough to support me when i'm struggling to call me out when i'm going the wrong direction that that loves me in that world that's the one that forces the 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 doctrinal word of sanctification that's relationship is the only piece of christianity that that demands that we walk closer to jesus
2: yeah i yeah it's a great point i totally see this um most recent era of the church has been a very defensive, panicky um, movement towards you know ever since French Revolution the world's been changing and we've been panicking out of mm-hmm. fear because we used to have a place of influence and uh, we used to be Christendom did yeah. we used to be the man behind the curtain exactly and then and we didn't use that well like it wasn't like that was the glory day. Um, but then as that began to shift we've, we've panicked trying to restore something and we just still keep finding ourselves drifting further and further from that and you're right which is why I think we, I think we can reclaim the power of relationship and the power of community and I think historically that's why it's always taken you know just an empire to fall apart and crumble because it's the only thing that draws you back to the only thing that matters Yep. The only thing that will draw me back to true relationship, unadulterated relationship, solidarity with the rest of humanity, mm. is just absolute cultural crisis and empires falling apart. And uh, and and I I I pray I think we don't have to go back to that place in order to remember the things that work.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm not panicked at all about the future of the church in America. I know a lot of people are like, oh, my goodness, the culture is going to hell in a handbasket. And, oh, what a mess, this and mess that. And I really believe that it's these points in history that force the church to restore its true sense of itself. And I am inspired by that. Like, I'm motivated to see as the church moves through this massive rethink of what it is and what its nature is and what its role is in culture um, I'm excited for what the future looks like I'm that we could actually be a people who demonstrate that God is in fact love that he does in fact um, want good things for our life that he's not angry that he's not a a truth monger or a right fighter God is a a God of uh, wonderful amazing depth healing wholeness freedom truer truths than prepositional ideas. Well, I think uh, God's using culture and uh, the world to show us just how nasty the church is right now Um, and show us how we need to change and accept other people. That's good stuff. That's a good note to end this podcast on.
0: All right. Well, thanks for listening. And until next week, God bless. Thanks for listening to this week's footnotes. And please keep the discussion going. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can connect with us by emailing comment at liferotp.com or find us on Facebook and Twitter at liferotp. You can find the individual members of the teaching team on Twitter as well, or just visit us on a Sunday morning and connect face-to-face. We hope you'll join us again next week. And until then, God bless.